You know, in every generation, the people of God have wrestled with what it looks like to follow Jesus. The history of the church is full of examples of men and women that left the crowd, that left off following their own ways, following the ways of their world and their culture, to follow Christ and leading others to follow in their footsteps. Following Jesus has always meant stepping out, standing out from the crowd so that our lives are determined not by other people or culture we're from, though that plays into our lives. Our lives are determined by Jesus. And so we're going to consider Jesus' example this morning and a portion of Matthew's or Mark's gospel, rather, that looks at a snapshot, a piece of Jesus' ministry and a pattern that he establishes for his his followers in this passage. Now remember that Mark has one focus throughout his gospel, and that is to show that Jesus is Christ and God, that he's the one that saves, that he's the one who rules, that he's the one that's worthy of following. And yet by Mark chapter 3, verse 6, the religious leaders of the day were ready to get rid of Jesus. That's where we left off last week. They were plotting with the party of the Herod supporters, the Herodians, to get rid of Jesus. They had rejected Jesus in favor of their interpretations and views of the law, and they were concerned with defending their authority rather than listening to Jesus. Now, today's text, we have a little bit of a shift here. Jesus moves on from these religious leaders, and he moves on from the synagogue, and we have a window opened into the crowds of people that followed Jesus every move. But in that crowd of fans, there were only a few followers. And out of those followers, we find Jesus choosing 12 to be his apostles. We're reminded by this contrast from verses 7 to 12, and here's the great crowd of people following him, and verses 13 to 19, where Jesus calls his disciples to himself and chooses out 12 apostles. Following Jesus means standing out from the crowd. And Jesus' actions in today's text will teach us in part what it looks like to follow Jesus. As we look at his example, we find three principles that we're going to consider in turn. The first, there is a time to leave. The second, there is a time for wisdom. And the third, there is a time to get ready. 
as we consider our Lord, we, we see these things and we learn in part what it is to follow Jesus. So we're going to begin with the first part of our, of our text, Mark chapter 3, verses 7 to 12. And in Mark chapter 3, beginning of verse 7, we read, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. So we have here, beginning of verse 7, Jesus moving on from the synagogues where he had, that had been the center of his ministry up to this point. But he was not welcomed there as evidenced by the religious leaders and the scribes' rejection of him. And so he left, this time to go to first to the sea. And so we see here a principle. What does our Lord do? Well, he left. There is a time, my friends, to leave. When Jesus is not welcome, when people have rejected him, may be a time to leave a particular church, a particular ministry. Now Jesus, he was gracious, and he would continue to be firm and to speak with the religious leaders throughout his, uh, his uh, ministry. They did not leave him alone. But he did not spend all of his time talking with those that were unwilling to listen. And from this point on, there marks a, a leaving on Jesus' part. This will become even more clear next week when they accuse him of being demon-possessed. They, they're continuing to demonstrate their rejection of Jesus Christ. And when people or a church or a ministry or a community rejects Christ, it may be time and a place for us to, to leave. Not to leave this world, not to move on from all ungodly influences, but uh, to not be a part of such things. Later, Jesus will teach his disciples in Mark chapter 6 that they should go into the various towns. They were not to leave the world. They were to go into these places and they were to preach the gospel. They were to do um, miracles. They were to cast out demons. But they were also, he said, that they should stay only as long as or when they were welcomed. So it is today, 
when, just as when Jesus moved on and he went to the crowds of people, the church was to preach first in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is the, the message, the, the mission that Jesus left his church with, that they were to go to Jerusalem and then to Judea and then to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In the book of Acts, we find the apostle Paul following this pattern. He went city after city, first to the synagogues. And when they rejected him, when they kicked him out, he went immediately to preach the gospel to the Gentile peoples. And so Jesus' departure from the synagogue is a picture and a reminder for us to follow him and to ultimately leave those that do not follow Jesus in his hands. To proclaim him wherever we find ourselves. Not to leave without a proclamation of the gospel and of the truth, but at the end of the day to leave the results in his hands. Throughout church history, whether it was the Reformers, or whether it was the Anabaptists, or the Methodists, God's people have found that there are times when they must leave in order to follow Jesus, in order to be true to the gospel. And we need to be aware of that. Following Jesus means not being a friend of this world even in its most religious trappings, like the synagogue, or for the Reformers, the Catholic Church. For the Anabaptists, it was the Reformed churches <laughs> that persecuted them. So God's people are called to leave, but not just leave, but to follow Christ. If you leave for any other reason than to follow Christ, you're not leaving in a way that God would have us. Where Christ is rejected, we will find ourselves also rejected. Now this is a hard message, but there is a time to leave. I would ask you to think about that and what that looks like in your life today. Now Jesus moved to the seaside, allowed him a lot of freedom. But his great popularity made getting away from the crowds an impossibility. When we see the words a great number or a great multitude, we are talking thousands. This is borne out throughout all of the gospel testimonies of the crowds that would come to Jesus. We have Jesus feeding the 5,000 at one time and 4,000 at another, and most scholars would agree that that is indicative likely of the men in the population, probably was not a full number. And so there were thousands of people. And the text gives us a whole bunch of areas from as far south as Idumea, south of Jerusalem, south of Judea, well over a week's journey 
up to the north to the Gentile regions of Tyre and Sidon, and east as well. Not west, because there's a great big sea there, the Mediterranean Sea, but every other direction people are coming from to see Jesus. They've heard about his healings, they've heard about his teaching, and they've come to see him. We're told that the crowds are so great that Jesus was in danger of being trampled upon by all the people that wanted to touch him and to be healed. Can you imagine just, you know, 3,000 people want to get as close to you as possible? That was their mission. And so in verse 9, Jesus tells his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him just in case he needs to use it so, so that they don't uh, crush him. And here I want to highlight a second principle from Jesus' ministry. And that's that Jesus made plans to avoid harm. He was the prudent man that Proverbs 27 verse 12 talks about. The man who sees danger and prepares himself for it. He saw the people pressing closer and closer, and he gave thought to his steps in that moment. of What, what could he do? What should he do? I think we need to understand this is a man who could walk on water, but he would use a boat. We should be careful, I think, that we don't downplay the use of our minds in planning things, that we don't uh, downplay the use of human means like a boat and things that we can use for our ministry to other people. These things matter, and it's important, just as Jesus gave thought to these things, that we would consider that as well, that we would be an intentional people, a thought-out people, as much as we're able now, Jesus entrusted his life to the Father fully at every moment. But here we're given an example of where in entrusting his life to the Father, he then took precautions to withdraw from danger and to be ready. So we don't just take risks for risk's sake. If God had called him to stay there, and to not make use of a boat, I'm sure that he would have. Because he knew his father. There may be risks that we will take for Jesus. But we should also be a people. As followers of Jesus that are willing to make plans. To be wise. So Jesus moved on. He has uh, made some plans here in case of getting crushed by the crowds. And um, now he then marks out apostles. To put it another way, there's a time for leaving, there's a time for wisdom, and there's a time to get ready. See, at this point in Mark's gospel, at Mark chapter uh, 3, verse 13, Jesus makes a clear distinction between the crowd and between his people.
people, his disciples, between the fans, and there were a lot of them, and those that were willing to truly follow him. Jesus had not left the synagogue to be controlled by the crowd. He had left the synagogue to call a people to himself and to prepare them for his service. And so he goes away. This time he goes to call a particular people to himself to prepare them, to get them ready for a particular purpose. These 12 men, the apostles, were called out from the crowd on that day. So we'll read again Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 13 through 19, and then we'll, I'll make a few comments. Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired and they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thaddeus, or James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These are the twelve whom Jesus chose. They're from a wide variety of backgrounds, and some of them would not have gotten along very well together. Put a tax collector and a zealot together, and you have a fight generally speaking. Even the betrayer. But notice at the very beginning that it is Jesus who takes the initiative. It's Jesus who decides here who comes to this meeting and they come. Jesus is demonstrating here his kingly authority to delegate and to appoint leaders. Terms like went up and called to emphasize both the authority of Jesus, and we need to see that here, but also they emphasize the distinction that Jesus is making here between the crowd and the call, between Jesus' fans and Jesus' followers. And so here Jesus calls, uh, it doesn't say how many di disciples he called, but he called to some to come out of the crowd and to be with him on that mountain. And there we are told he chose 12. He chose 12 men for a specific purpose, that is to be his messengers. Now the term apostle that was given to these 12 refers to a messenger, one that is called for a specific purpose. And Jesus will lay out the purpose for which he has called and appointed them in this passage where he says, 
twofold. He says first, that they might be with him. And secondly, that he might send them out to preach and to have that authority to cast out demons. And I believe it is in Matthew's gospel of references healing also. The apostles were given a twofold purpose. Firstly, to be with him. That is to have fellowship, to have union with him, to walk with him through life. And they did so for three years. And secondly, they had a mission to preach. And a part of that mission was to demonstrate the power of God in casting out demons and in bringing healing to the people. They were to act as an extension of Christ's own ministry to be his representatives. In the letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, God gave the apostles as the foundation of the church that we as the people of God are built on that foundation. And so here we find Jesus getting them ready for that purpose, that purpose that he will make abundantly clear at the end of his, after he's resurrected, before he ascends into heaven, to go into all the world and to make disciples and to go from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Now, the apostles, I want to be clear about this, they had a unique role in that they walked with Jesus. They were the eyewitness testimony. We do not have that testimony, that apostolic testimony, saved through the word of God today. But the mission remains the same, and the Lord of that mission also. And so we follow Christ as those that are called out from the crowd. The Apostle Paul especially liked to refer to churches as the called. Called to be saints. Called and loved by God. He refers to the Roman church and the Corinthian church in this way. And others as well. And so as we walk with those who are like Jesus, and as we look to the word of God and his spirit is now at work in his people, we become like Jesus, and we are called today to follow him, to live for his mission, for his purpose, to go and make disciples and to bring the good news to a lost world. This is amazing. Amazing hope and privilege that we have. That we might be as, as uh, our memory verse last month talked about those fishers of men. Those who call others to follow Christ as he has called us to himself. And the mark 
of a follower is pretty simple. It's doing as the leader does. It's following in what does the leader say that we should do and who we are and what we should be. To do that, we need to know and heed the example of our Lord, which is why I, I bring out these, these principles from Jesus' ministry that he understood there was a time to leave the synagogue. There was a time for him to go out into the sea, into the uttermost parts of the world. He has given that calling to his people today. And so he left. There was a time also for wisdom. And when that was the time, he made plans. And when it was time to get ready, he made leaders. And he focused on that. Focused on disciple making. He preached to the crowd. But the bulk of his time was spent preparing those 12 men to go out and to do that ministry. To multiply as the word of God went out. Now I should add a, a quick word about the grace of God. Following Jesus is really impossible without faith in Jesus, without surrender to his authority, to his leadership. These men listened to Jesus. They came. They dedicated their lives to him. And so they followed him. They obeyed. Only the grace of God work in our lives, knowing who Jesus Christ is and what he has done on the cross will make a fan of Jesus, someone who follows him wherever he leads us in life. So what about you and me then? Would you say that a leaving and a planning and disciple-making marks us out as different from those around us? Does our demeanor, our focus, do our choices mark us out as different? Do we stand out from the crowd here in Cardston? Following Jesus means that there will be a distinction made. That we will have to step out. We will be different as our Lord is different. Showing the love, the wisdom that he displayed. 